<laughs> Craig wants to know how I'm going to follow that, and uh, we're, we're going to just have to find out, I guess. Um, I, I was telling Jack Yates yesterday that uh, I was accosted at the Whole Foods. I accidentally wore a lipscomb sweater out and about, and, and a lady asked me who I thought I was. And I said, excuse me? And she said, yeah, what's this about? And then I was like, well, I went to Lipscomb. I, I'm sorry for wearing this. But I, I saw your sweaters, and I did want to give Harding a shout-out, the only national championship in Arkansas. So big day for the Bisons. Um, with that, that's my best attempt at following it. Um, that's all I can do, because the rest of this is sarcastic. But uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning as we continue our Messenger series. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you want to turn your Bibles there, that'll be where we are looking at the story of Elizabeth and Mary. But before we go there, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about family. Because this is the time of year where we generally spend more time with our families, especially those of us who maybe travel from out of town to go visit with family, and especially when you're blessed to get to stay at your in-laws or at your, you know, whoever's house that you're in, uh, it's, you're spending a lot of time with family members. And it's during these family gatherings that we often have conversations with family members that maybe we haven't seen in a while, or like in the case of the epic Christmas character Clark Griswold, individuals that we didn't expect to see. Let's play that first video, Stan. How sure does look swell, Clark. Thanks, Eddie. I hope it enhances your holiday spirit. <laughs> Dear Catherine. Eddie? <laughs> oh, the house is gorgeous, Clark. <laughs> Eddie? I hope you didn't do this all on our account, Clark. <laughs> Kids, come on out here and see what Uncle Clark's done to the house. Eddie? <laughs> Eddie? <laughs> yeah, if you don't remember, this here is Rocky. Have you got a kiss for me? Eh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. He's got a lip fungus he ain't identified yet. Mm -hmm. You remember Ruby Sue? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Her eyes aren't crossed anymore. That's something, ain't it? Huh? She falls in a well, eyes go cross. She gets kicked by a mule, they go back to normal. I don't know. <laughs> And this here is our pride and joy, Snot. Pretty name, Ed. Yeah, we named him that because he's got this sinus condition. <laughs> Snot, you roll over and let Uncle Clark scratch your belly. Now, I don't know if your family gatherings are like that, where maybe a relative shows up unannounced in an RV, uh, but we can personally kind of relate to those encounters during the holidays with somebody that we maybe we didn't expect to see. Or, like in the reference of Cousin Eddie, has a lot to say, but a, a lot to figure out what does this mean. Uh, for research, and this was all on company time, I watched this movie twice this week, um, looking for anything valuable to relate to a sermon with the words of Cousin Eddie. And I really struggled with it, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the, the only one was the second clip that I found here um, at the dinner table. Let's play that one, this is a quick clip. Hey, kids. I heard on the news that an airline pilot spotted Santa's sled on its way in from New York. Oh. 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 
You serious, Clark? <laughs> now, now, Clark Griswold's face uh, in this, uh, and I love these clips from the movie, but Clark Griswold's face in that last clip is what I often feel like a lot of times where maybe you're talking to somebody you haven't seen in a long time and they've got a lot to say. Now, all, all kidding aside, there is a purpose in showing a video like that. Because there are times that we easily reject the advice uh, of those that are closest to us. Those voices uh, and individuals that maybe know us all so well that we just instinctually reject their guidance or advice. But there's a reason why we have family. Why God gives us individuals in our lives that we've been with forever. It's not just for support, it's also to learn from their examples. Maybe not Cousin Eddie. You see, life's foundations are often laid by those who have come before us, those who have lived life and shared their experiences with us. Recently, I've shared a lot about my, my nanny, my dad's mom, and a wonderful human being that continues to keep me on my toes every time I try to record a video for church with her. But I'd be remiss if I didn't share a little bit about my other grandmother, my, my late grandmother, Miss Janine Oglesby. She was a larger-than-life individual for me that, that shared her wisdom without hesitation, But as I was writing this sermon, I thought about how I was as a middle schooler. I would often spend a lot of time at my grandmother's house in her back room where the kind of the lay people's couch was. We couldn't sit in that front room. We could sit in the back room on those couches. But she would sit in a recliner and she would tell me stories about what it was like growing up in Morton's Gap, Kentucky. I've shared a little bit about Morton's Gap, that even the name sounds poor. My grandmother came from a very hard time in Morton's Gap and she would tell these stories about what it was like to have nothing but to have everything at the same time. As a middle schooler, I hated hearing these stories because I'd heard them over and over and over again. And as she would tell them, I could often end the stories of this was about her brother and this was when they went to the store and this was when they did X, Y, Z. But now, more than anything, I would give just about anything to be able to sit down with her again and hear those stories about what it was like growing up in hard times in Morton's Gap, Kentucky. See, I unfortunately see a lot of Clark Griswold in myself, an individual that is headstrong and has tunnel vision when it's time for the lights to go up. But when individuals, even relatives, show up who are already ready to bless me or us with their wisdom, we have to be more like Mary instead of Clark, annoyed and bothered that someone has shown up with their family and their dog that clearly needs to go to the vet But we need to be like Mary, who is able to listen to her cousin Elizabeth. And that's the text that we'll be in this morning. The story this morning begins in verse 39. It says, At at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, it's important to break these verses down, because sometimes we can miss some of the details that are happening here. It's easy to maybe make the assumption that Mary is leaving her town out of shame. That she has found out that she is with child, she's not married yet, she doesn't want the accusation, she doesn't want the drama. But that doesn't appear to be the case. What appears to be motivating Mary to go travel to see her cousin Elizabeth is the joy. It's a joy that she cannot contain within her, that she has to share it with somebody, someone who she trusts, someone that she knows, someone that she loves and listens to. And that's why she chooses to go to Elizabeth's house. The text continues, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped within her, in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, it's, it's here that Luke starts to, uh, in my mind, kind of tell a thematic story, where he's kind of using a little bit of his dramatic license, just a little bit, because he's wanting you to see the parallels between Jesus and John. So as John the Baptist's ministry prepared the way for Jesus, even here John prepared the way by announcing the Messiah's presence by leaping in Elizabeth's womb. And you can see some kind of relations to Genesis chapter 25, that relationship between Jacob and Esau. There's some similarities there, but there's something happening here that Luke is signaling that this is different. This is special. There is something that is happening within these women that should signal God is coming, that God is here. This line that she is filled with the Spirit, this is another example of God fulfilling what has already been promised. In John 1.15, Zechariah was told that Elizabeth and John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before John's birth. And they are the first individuals to realize that Mary's child is the Messiah. But the story continues because Elizabeth, in a loud voice, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. This is a, 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 um, a Semitic way of saying the most blessed person. That's kind of the language that Elizabeth is using here. And, but according to contemporary Jewish understanding, a woman's greatness was measured by the greatness of the children that she bore. And what God is doing within Mary has already outshone what God has done in Elizabeth. Elizabeth recognizes this, calls this out. This idea of a loud voice, it, it could be kind of classified as screaming, but it's just like kind of how I talk all the time. If you've ever texted with me, there's always an exclamation point regardless of what we're texting about. It's just who I am and what I'm about when it comes to texting. Some of the teens know what I'm talking about, always getting that exclamation point. It's kind of what's happening here. She's so excited because she realizes that something different is happening. This idea of the fruit of of her womb here, this blessed is the child that you would bear, this is literally showing the differences in their blessings. The first stands logically in subordination to the second. And this follows a pattern that we see all throughout the Old Testament, that the second blessing gives cause to the first. But Elizabeth continues, But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? She's already inserting these titles of Jesus that we haven't seen yet. Where she is recognizing that Jesus is Lord. Mark is going to use this title in his gospel about nine times to identify Jesus, this idea of Lord. Luke blows that out of the water. He uses it over 20 times to refer to Jesus as somebody that is Lord, worthy of this title. Here Luke is showing that Jesus is different. He is standing on a different level than others. He, like God, is deserving of the title of Lord. And, Mary, and Elizabeth continues, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. This is another partial fulfillment that we've seen previously in, the, in Luke, chapter 14, Luke chapter 1, verse 14. It shows that Elizabeth will rejoice in her role in comparison to Mary. And she continues here, Blessed is, he, is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary's faith here, what Luke is doing is he's showing a contrast between Zechariah's lack of faith in Luke 1.20 versus Mary's faith that's identified here. Last week, we, we kind of, I tried to present this idea of receiving something and responding to it. 
And I want to stay on that lane this morning because that's exactly what we see Mary do here. See, Mary encounters, has this conversation with her cousin Elizabeth. And she is willing to receive it. Unlike me, who who often rejects the words of those that are closest to me, what Mary does is she hears that, that Elizabeth is recognizing that something different is within her. And because she has received that word, she responds to it. And Mary's response is is encapsulated in this song that we often call the Magnificat. And it starts here in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. As Hannah did in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Mary praises God for what he was about to do and for the part that she was privileged to play in this plan. When she uses this language of he has been mindful of his humble, the humble state of his servant, it's also ground in that comparison to what we see in Hannah again in 1 Samuel chapter 1. In the coming of God's Son into the world, the poor and the downtrodden have been visited with salvation. God is doing something different. I've used that language a lot already. But God is doing something through Mary that the world has never seen. Mary continues with her song. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Whereas the the first section here of the Magnificat refers to the great things the Mighty One has done for Mary, the second one is this prophetic forward that looks at the results of the ministry of Mary's child for those of Israel that believe. The mighty deeds with his arms. With his arm. Again, arm is this symbol of God's might and strength. This is kind of old Hebraic language that we see here to symbolize the power and the strength of God. And it describes also the future work of God's Son with the certainty of a past event. Mary saw as already, Mary saw as already accomplished what God has, could do through her Son. And Mary continues in this next verse. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised with our ancestors. Luke, including this reference to Abraham, emphasized the continuation of the salvation history and Jesus' coming rather than its disruption. God has been working and God continues to work. But Mary's praise for God has, what God has done to her personally widens out to include what God does for all those who fear him then and now. See, the gospel writer Luke clearly sees the coming of Jesus as the great reversal of the world's established systems. But for Luke and for us as well, we shouldn't see this as something new, but more so a fulfillment of the prophecy and divine promises that God has made to his followers throughout time. But back to Mary and Elizabeth. See, for them, trust and joy are two vital aspects of a successful walk with God. Elizabeth's joy is to be shared with Mary, who will utter a hymn of praise to God for his graciousness on, whom the, on, on those who, of her behalf. 
But because Mary trusts in the Lord and listens to the voice of Elizabeth, she sees something and realizes that something is happening within her. Something that she has a better grasp on because she has listened to someone that is close to her. And because of these words from Elizabeth, Mary sings. Mary's song reflects her confidence in this ultimate victory of God and the reversal of human values. God's social revolution is this result of the divine breaking into history. And friends, when we as followers of Jesus recognize this, that God keeps his promises, this trust and joy that we see in Elizabeth and Mary cannot be contained. It is something that is celebrated in our whole being and existence. And as we talked about last week, when we recognize this, when we see that God is doing something different and powerful in the lives of Mary, but also in our lives too, we also become messengers, willing to share the good news of the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. Let's stand and sing together. You are